Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Hannah May, and this is Flying Faith Talks, the official podcast of FlyingFaith.org, the main space for Christian creatives everywhere. Today's episode was first recorded on June 22nd. This is episode number six, and today's title is What Do Audiences Want? So let me start this episode by saying it's great to be back home. I went on vacation with my family for a couple weeks, so that's why it was kind of a little bit quiet on the blog and on the podcast for a bit. But hey, everyone needs R&R. So that's what I was off doing. And uh, well, then I came home with a cold. <laughs> that, that wasn't quite so fun. But uh, but yeah, I'm back on my feet. And big thank you to everyone who is praying for me as I was struggling to get myself back again. Now, on the subject of my previous vacation, uh, right before I left, I had a very good conversation with a writer friend of mine. And uh, she's a Realmy, which is basically what Realm Makers members call each other. And to anybody who has no idea what Realm Makers is, it is a fantastic Christian writers group that focuses on fantasy and sci-fi. You know, those uh, genres that aren't as popular in Christian circles. And it's to my knowledge that they're going to have their conference again soon. I really wish I was going, but any of you organizers of Realm Makers listening, you guys do a great job every year, and I'm sure this year is going to be just as fantastic as the previous. Anyway, my writing friend, she contacted me on Messenger, and she was asking me about um, her covers, you know, her book covers. And to describe this particular writer, she is a very sweet lady, and she writes an impressive amount of books, and very imaginative books as well. Yet, I also know from her that from our conversations together, at least this is the impression I have, that she does she has a struggle in selling her books. Like, she makes them, but she doesn't get them flying off the shelves, or like they're not being bought in huge bulks like she's hoping for. Now, maybe my impression of that is wrong. You know, maybe she sells fine, but I'm basically going off of the fact of how many times I've seen her and heard her ask questions such as, is this book cover professional looking? Where should I go to get this book sold? Or who should I go to to get good marketing? Or sometimes she asks questions of what's popular, what are people wanting? And the more I keep thinking about that, I think that's one of the most generally common questions uh, writers ask themselves, both professional veterans and the newbies. They, they want to know what people want to see in their books and their stories because, of course, the whole idea is to appeal to their tastes. I think every creative person, whatever their project is, really have starry-eyed dreams of, I'm going to make this amazing thing. It's going to become so popular. It's going to, like, boom across America or even across the world. And sure, it's unrealistic to think that everyone is going to end up that popular, but I'm pretty sure everybody's at least one time dreamed of being the next Tolkien or the next C.S. Lewis or whoever your favorite author is. Or even if you're not a writer, you know, you want to be the next big game designer. You want to be the next big composer, singer, songwriter. You get the point. So it's not uncommon for me whenever I go on social media to come across someone who asks questions like, 
how long or what length are books that are popular or what does this popular franchise have that my work doesn't or even on a tinier scale like I'm working on this and I'm trying to do that is this going to work or what can I do to make it work it's all in pursuit of trying to figure out what do audiences want now I kind of already touched on this in an earlier episode the importance of being hospitable to your audience with your work. It's putting their needs for an enjoyable read or enjoyable experience from your project ahead of your personal agendas. This often leads to cut content that you really don't want to let go of, but it really is better for the audience if it's not there or because you're trying to make a special point to them And this one thing that you had in there that you really, really like um, just kind of confuses the message you're trying to give. And then you have to change it and it hurts. Uh, That's what I mean by being hospitable to your audience. Yes, you can write like a 50 million page epic to rival that of the Iliad and the Odyssey. But if that means it's boring and exhaustive to your readers, well, it's more God-honoring and loving to put their need ahead of yours as an artist. You want them to really enjoy whatever story or project that God has put in your heart to share. Now, in this episode, I want to clarify what I mean by what do audiences want, though, because clearly what I just described is more or less along the lines of common sense, courteousness, hospitality. In this case, for this topic, I'm really just referring to the more subjective side of what audiences want. What kind of themes do they really want to hear? What kind of messages or what kind of character arcs do people find entertaining or do they find meaningful? It's really that side of the conversation that we're going towards. And let me tell you people, if you haven't tried to figure out what really clicks with people these days, like in entertainment, (laughs) you have no idea how hard that is. That is the equivalent of trying to sharpshoot a moth in the middle of a blizzard. Think about it. you got a moving target that keeps going up and down in random intervals, surrounded by a bunch of swirling false targets, all the while you're shivering and you can't hold the gun straight. It's that hard. Now, there are a lot of things that creative people like ourselves, writers, musicians, artists, designers, do to figure out what really works today. Lots of this usually includes uh, looking at the most popular franchises or most successful success stories and try to emulate or in some cases like straight up copy what they did. Plus there are all those uh, videos or classes that they take to try to learn formulas or learn what's the professional standard and there's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean it really does a lot of good to, to learn what good structure is and why certain people like certain things. And I admit, I do that myself. I did a lot of that, especially when I was first learning how to become an author. There's a lot of things you don't know, and it's really good to draw from other people's experiences, their success stories, and even the failures. You know, it's good to also look into failures so you know what not to do. Yet it's important to realize how tiring of a process that is. And even then, it's not always a 100% guarantee of success. Even big-name companies like Disney in film or Square Enix in video games, they don't always hit it right. 
even when they check all the boxes to what worked in the past, that doesn't always mean it works. At least not at present. Sometimes what was popular in the past is now completely forgotten, while this other thing that came out that nobody heard of, nobody bought, is now the biggest thing, you know, that everyone talks about. Now do you see what I'm saying when I call this sharpshooting a moth in a blizzard? It's almost impossible. And all those formulas you learn, yes, they're useful, but they're not a guarantee. They never are. So it's no wonder at the lostness and the frustration that many artists like myself feel sometimes. They went to the classes, they did as the teachers said, they listened to the professionals, they followed the formula, and yet they don't get anywhere. At least not in the market. All the tips and tricks and the lessons that we learn are useful, but when the results don't come that these lessons supposedly promise, we end up exhausted, disappointed, and ultimately doubting our self-worth. We begin thinking, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe something about me is the reason this didn't succeed. But the truth is, it's not a matter of whether you obeyed or even excelled at following all the good advice. It's ultimately the world, and by extension you yourself, are expecting you to predict what is ultimately unpredictable. I'm talking about the human heart. The scriptures refer to the human heart as fickle and inconsistent. Numbers 23.19 reads, God is not man that he should lie, or son of man that he should change his mind. The beginning of Hosea 10.2, in reference to people, says their heart is false. Then jumping backwards to Hosea 6.4, when it referred to the hearts of the people of Judah, it said, Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes early away. It ultimately proves what we see all the time. What people lift up and exalt one day is forgotten or even reviled the next. Then what makes this whole matter of trying to figure out what do people or audiences want even worse is the fact that because of our human sin nature, we're ultimately incapable of knowing what is good or what should be in something. Matthew fifteen nineteen says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Mark seven twenty one through 23 adds to that, saying, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. But I think the most convicting and convincing verse of all is Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? It's no wonder then when the writer of Proverbs declares, any man who follows his heart is a fool. People are just too fickle to predict and too naturally sinful and depraved to know what's good for them, really. Even when their wisdom sounds good, it's ultimately foolishness. I've been coming across this quite personally right now. As I've been preparing for the prequel for my recent book release, Celestial, 
Uh, I was studying a lot of ancient Norse writings, including the Havamal, which is, it's basically like a Viking Proverbs. Uh, it's attested to be the wisdom of Odin. But while a lot of it does make sense, much of it still flies in the face of what God calls righteous and good. Like this saying right here. Where you recognize evil, speak out against it, and give no truces to your enemies. How does that fit with Christ asking his followers to love their enemies and, if at all possible, live in peace with one another? Or how about this little tidbit from the Havamal? He is truly wise who's traveled far and knows the ways of the world. In other words, worldly wisdom is where it's at. Except it's truly not, especially when God says that our wisdom is like complete, utter stupidity to him. And our ways are not his ways. Stuff like this from the Havamal came from the heart of man. And yet, that's what they thought they wanted. That's what they thought they needed. That's what they thought was good. So predicting the fickleness and depravity of the human heart is virtually impossible for us to do. The formulas clearly aren't consistent enough to help in the matter. So where does that leave us? Well, you know what? The Bible also has the solution to that, too. And you'll be surprised to find that it's actually quite backwards to what the usual response is. But before we get into that, allow me to share real quick about my amazing editing developmental service that you just might want to hear. Writers really do owe a lot to their editors, don't they? I mean, they help us clean our mistakes whether that be at the grammar level or the story level, from narrative to the punctuation to the characters. And there are lots of different kinds of editors, whether that be a development editor, a line editor, or a copy editor. Yet in most editing services, I feel that there is one particularly important side to writing that I think most Christian writers are not getting from their editors, and that is to test the scriptural integrity of their book. Not so much the removal of fictional elements like magic, spaceships, rocket lasers, or cyborg ninjas, but whether the messaging is biblically complementary and doesn't present something that could be problematic when looked up close. Well, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to present to you Flying Faith Developmental Edits. If you really love the biblical counseling that I've been offering through this podcast and on my blog, then this is your chance to get personal help from me for your project. I offer to help you smooth out your narrative, make your characters as memorable and three-dimensional as possible, fix up the pacing, fix up the imagery, and to scripturally screen the integrity of your entire narrative for messaging and plot points. It'll be my personal mission to use my skill as a writer and as a student of God's word to ensure that the story he's put on your heart to glorify his name to your readers comes out exactly the way that you and he would want it to be. Every Christian writer's journey should be a journey of closeness with the Lord. And I'd like to be there with you. Manuscript submissions open up this August and only this August, and my subscribers get 25% off on all my editing services. So if you're interested, don't wait. Visit flyingfaith.org, visit my editing page, and consider subscribing to get that 25% off discount. So prep up those manuscripts for August, guys, because openings are going to be coming shortly. So getting back to what we were talking about here, if the finding out what's popular and finding out what audiences want is so difficult to get, 
and the usual human solutions are really just exhausting and while they might work they don't always work what does the bible suggest that we do well what's the first thing that god asks us to do in any aspect of our lives to seek him first now i know that sounds like a very generic answer but really seek him first and in the grand scheme of things seek the market and what's popular last think about it what have we been discussing a few minutes ago the bible already pinpointed that the issue of the human opinion is that it's derived from the heart which is fickle and wicked that should indicate to you and to me that its author as in the one who legitimizes what the bible says because he said it knows what he's talking about and the only way that he can know what he's talking about is if he made us if he knows us and you know what god made us and not only made us but he tests our minds and our hearts he knows what goes on in us all the time going back to that chapter we read not too long ago jeremiah 17 on verse 10 it says i the lord search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways according to the fruit of his deeds then the lord told samuel in first samuel 16 do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because i have rejected him for the lord sees not as man sees man looks on the outward appearance but the lord looks on the heart first chronicles 28 starting on verse 9 and you solomon my son know the god of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind for the lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought and on top of that he knows exactly what the human heart was purposed for and what it was originally intended to be before the fall how do i know that's the entirety of the bible he put in every man an innate knowledge of him and not just an innate knowledge of him but an innate understanding of what he was meant to do it, it, there's a verse in the scripture that says he has put eternity in every man's heart why because before the fall we were meant for eternity we were meant for an eternal existence it's no wonder then we have a bajillion stories and tales about great heroes who are seeking a way to eternal life and even in common practice and everyday man nobody wants to die they want to keep living why do they want to keep living because they have eternity in their hearts why do they have eternity in their hearts because god put it there he knows what we need because he gave us the need and not just the need for the eternal but the need to be in his presence it's the whole entire reason why jesus was sent to die and rise again and why god had the scriptures written as they are now and because god's understanding of us and what we were meant for in our secret heart of hearts we know and we desire is so hardwired into us then that means that unlike the fashionable trends or what happens to be popular in the present age this is an unchanging factor it doesn't matter what country you live in what era you live in or who or what kind of culture climate or people you're surrounded by it doesn't matter because god's plan is eternal and his insight and knowledge and wisdom of the human heart and what he has put deep inside in there isn't going to change which means that by understanding him better and his character and his plans more and more and more that means christian artists like you me and any other believer we are capable of cutting right past all of the transitory fluff that keeps shifting all the time to hit the singular unchanging targets that will impact and touch everyone no matter the age and no matter the gender if there is anybody 
who knows how to reach, tap into, and touch the inner workings of the human heart right down to the hidden things they desire. They may not even know they desire. It's him. A lot of highfalutin psychologists and professors with PhDs may say they have figured out the human mind. But seriously, compared to God's insight on the matter, they are gnats compared to him. And he's far better than them in many more respects than just his insight, too. You have to get into debt to go to college to get these professors, quote-unquote, wisdom. And yet God offers his plan and wisdom regarding human hearts to his followers for nothing, for free. Draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Both of those scriptural passages that I just quoted are true. And if you ask him and seek him in prayer, he would say to you what he said in Psalm 32 verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. But the point is not to read the scripture and pray to figure out the great mystery of the human heart. The real price here should be just furthering your relationship with him, walking closer with him. You know, because really the whole understanding of people should be a side effect from knowing him more and enriching your relationship with him more because far be it from us to use him as a tool just to get bigger numbers or get popular he should be the prize first and then everything else will fall into place back in february i had the great privilege of attending the creativity summit and our fantastic instructor alan arnold really put it in perspective for me when he had us draw a series of circles essentially making a target The center circle, he had us label with God, as in writing our book with God. And then in the circle right outside of that, he had us label it uh, for trusted Christian friends. Then in the circle outside of that, the hungry audience. And in the circus farthest out was reviews, social media, and feedback. Alan Arnold then emphasized how most writers tend to start on the outside circle first. They look for the reviews and the feedback. And then they squeeze it towards what the audience wants. And then they squeeze it further to those we trust. And then we always seem to treat God last in the process. But Christians, if we know anything from what Christ has taught us, God refuses to be last in our hearts or our lives. So we should start where it should be centered, with God. And then work our way through the circles outward building our projects and our stories around him and his wisdom, which quite automatically hits what all people universally need and universally want in their heart of hearts. Now, does that guarantee huge popularity and fame and a billion bucks? No, it doesn't. But what it does guarantee is closer unity with God and a product that truly possesses seismic level impact. So instead of making our projects an exhaustive pursuit of what's popular and then just squeezing God in at the last second because we got to have him in there, what if we did the opposite? What if a new project first meant to us, I get to know more about God. I get to learn more about him and his character and his plan. 
And then we let whatever is fashionable, popular, marketable take the back seat for once. Just let it be the last thing on our minds. Not because it's unimportant, but because it's no longer the foundation that we build upon. I imagine that if we did that, we'd be churning out a lot less cookie-cutter novels and a lot more original, formula-breaking masterpieces that had life-altering influence. The kind of stuff worth remembering. Thanks again for joining me here on Flying Faith Talks. And hey, if you really like this podcast and you'd like to learn more about me or the website, subscribe to flyingfaith.org and follow Flying Faith on Facebook, MeWe, Instagram, and Pinterest. And hey, subscribers receive exclusive content like updates on the website, updates on my books, sneak peeks, chances for prizes, and all my subscribers receive a 25% discount on my Flying Faith developmental editing service. Basically, it's a service where I not only help you hone your craft with your book, but also help you test its spiritual integrity. Anyway, that's all for today. Thanks, guys, and come back soon.